And we're live. I'm here with uh, Zaywood of uh, at Indemocracy on Twitter of the Hoppy Inn. Zaywood, how you doing? All right, Caleb. Thanks for having me on. Happy to have you. Happy to have you. It's been a while. It's been eight months since the last time I had you on. It's funny because I had you on like this thing three times and like it's been like, a month and a half and then an eight months gap. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's been a very fun uh, last few eight months myself. But uh, so let's get into this. Well, let's see. Let's boost it for a bit. I saw your tweet about uh, space not being fake and gay, and I 100% agree. I love the NASA hat. Thank you. It's um yeah, it's, it's a it's a frustrating thing. A lot of people in our circles are more conspiratorial and it's, they really think that space is fake and I'm like space is space is pretty cool i, I just i hate near the grass tyson okay it's not the same thing as denying space yeah it, it it kind of bothers me a little bit i mean i know a lot of it is just bs you know it's just yeah. people just being you know people on twitter but some of it is like they're sincere and mm-hmm. a little bit of me takes exception to that i mean look at that to me is uh, a penultimate achievement of mankind. We were able to leave the planet, you know, like, and especially if you're an American, like who the hell else has set foot on the moon? No one, it's us. Like mm-hmm. what an amazing achievement for, for humanity and for Americans and everything else. And it, it it's, it's a little, uh, it kind of feels like it's almost like kind of like a black pill thing. Like everything that you believe and that you held pride in is gay and fake. Like, I don't like that. Like, there are great things about humanity that we shouldn't take for granted and that we should embrace. And, and, you know, screw the, you know, the, the false elites and all of that. We did that. Human beings did that. Not any state institution or anything like that. I mean, there were so many people who really, that they didn't care that it was a government program at the time or or that NASA was part of the government. They were doing it because they believed that they could, right? And that's amazing. Absolutely. absolutely. No, it's a lot, a lot of the um, hardcore conspiratorial people in our group, which I I mean, conspiracies exist, obviously, but it seems like the result of um, one too many web pills about what the state actually is. From where they were like, oh, the state's good. To when the state lies about everything, to they actually take it to space is fake and they lied about space. And it's um, it's weird to me. You know, it seems to be this weird uh, taking too, one too many red pills, probably. Yeah, and it's like, given there are a lot of things that have shocked our senses right over the years, like. The, you know, that for years it was a conspiracy that they're listening to everything you're saying all the time and they're monitoring all your traffic and they're tracking you and blah, blah, blah. And then we found out it was 100% true. Like they, they literally are. They're all st- they're storing it in this giant water cooled facility in the middle of the, the desert and they're literally recording every phone call. Um, so it, it it's one of those things like it's hard for me to blame people, but at the same time, like, Blame blame the state for the terrible things that you think it might be doing, but don't take away the achievements. Like like those achievements are ours; they're not the state's, right? So, you know, like if you want to focus on something, be you know, like if you have to black pill, which I hate uh, altogether, but if you have to do it again, do it against the state. Do it. Don't do it against human achievement. Absolutely. So. Let's get into this. You wrote a uh, writing book, and chapter one is out on the hopian.org. Uh, link is in the description if anybody wants to read it. And I, I highly recommend you to read it. it it's really good. I, I really enjoyed it. So, uh, Thank you. so before we get into this, only the first chapter, let's kind of talk about a few things about the overall book itself and like what is the thesis of the book? Why are you writing this book? That kind of stuff. Yeah. So essentially, I, I've seen a, 
a lot of misinterpretations over the years from various different authors. I don't think Hoppe is one of them. I think Hoppe gets it right, gets it really, really right. Um, I, I just don't think that he's taken it far enough. Uh, and I want to kind of take it to that next step. You hear Hoppe mention the natural order, which if you're not familiar with Hoppe, you probably think of the physiocrats or something like that. But the physiocrats were, uh, what I'm getting into is not that kind of natural order. Um, what I'm talking about when I say natural order is, um, the predisposition of human beings, um, how we organize uh, natural hierarchies and natural authority, um, not things that are like, I'm not a, a primitivist or anything like that. Like, I, I don't want us to, I don't want nature to rule us, right? I believe the natural order is that human beings are the top of the food chain and we're the top of the food chain for a reason, right? Um, there are elites in society right now, but those elites are false elites. They're fake elites, artificial elites. They aren't the real elite. They aren't the natural elite. Uh, Thomas Jefferson talked about the natural elite. Uh, as, as, as much uh, crap as I would give him for saying all men are created equal, because um, I obviously don't believe that, uh, he did acknowledge that there are a natural, there is a natural elite among men. So, I mean, it, those two kind of thoughts were in direct contradiction. So I wonder how he would uh, resolve those issues. Um, and then you have people like James Madison, who I, who I referenced in the article. Uh, I guess it's the chapter, but um, who I referenced in the chapter. And you can see there that he perfectly uh, elucidates the problems of democracy and, and elevating people who should not be elevated to those positions. Uh, America, the United States, uh, has specifically abandoned a lot of those ideas, uh, particularly when it comes to suffrage. Um, we have... We now have universal suffrage, basically, except for felons, and that'll go away soon, too. Um, I guarantee that that will go away as well, and uh, we'll have uh, a perfect egalitarian society. In other words, it will completely collapse, and everyone will burn. Um, yeah. So this is kind of the idea, but really what I want to do beyond that is expand more into the ideas of the right. And uh, just speaking here now, I consider... Hoppe or Hoppianism, one of the purest forms of right-wing thought. Um, it's not perfectly pure, mostly because it's underdeveloped, uh, in my opinion. I think Hoppe can take it further, and I'm sure that he will. I think that he said he was going to produce one more grand work. Um, so I really look forward to that. I really look forward to um, him completely destroying me and then uh, <laughs> my, my, my work here being irrelevant. But I don't think he quite takes it far enough. Uh, he, he talks about the natural order and how things are arranged. And he, of course, he talks about the degeneration of uh, the uh, the order or the natural order in society through um, monarchy and the different types of monarchy from uh, feudal style monarchy to absolute monarchy down to constitutional monarchy and then republics and democracies. Um and circling back to Madison, you know, that's what they were trying to combat was that degeneration. They were trying to prevent that degeneration from a republic to a democracy. And of course, that they failed. And as all uh, Lulberts will tell you, uh, you know, screw your piece of paper, your constitution or whatever like that. I, I, I don't like to take that approach when I talk to right wingers because it's going to turn them off immediately. And I, I really don't kind of believe that. I think the, the founding fathers were... Um, they were brilliant men. They just weren't men that had 
evolve the thought process to where we are now. Um, they just hadn't quite gotten there. It's not like <laughs> that they were evil people and they were these egalitarians and all of that. That is definitely not true. I mean, only white male landowners could vote in the beginning. And that's uh, honestly, that's kind of the way it should have stayed. Um, that it is a problem. The more suffrage that you give out to people, the more problems that you incur. And the United States is a perfect example of that. But um, to, to prevent myself from rambling any further, I talk about economics, the proper view from the right of economics, uh, how natural hierarchies specifically in that chapter are conducive, not only conducive, but necessary for the right. Uh, you cannot be a right winger if you do not believe in hierarchies. And further, what I expand, what I had come to the conclusion on is that it's not just hierarchies, because this is the entire idea behind uh, the four quadrant political spectrum, which I don't like. And as I elucidated in the chapter is totally inaccurate, is that artificial hierarchies are also egalitarian. And as a result, um, those two sides of the four quadrant political spectrum <clears throat> collapse and you go right back to the left right dichotomy. And that dichotomy exists and it is correct. And yeah, I mean, I'm going to go into a number of topics in the book, particularly around uh, subversion, economics, uh, how capitalism is true capitalism. And, you know, that word is so loaded these days, but real capitalism is uh, natively right wing is right wing economics. <clears throat> uh, a new theory around how property and hierarchies relate and uh, a wide variety of other topics. I have so many planned chapters that I'm going to have to start cutting them out because uh, the book is going to be uh, too long for me to complete with the time that I have. So hopefully that gives you a good idea. It, it definitely does. Definitely does. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I'm getting over a little code. <coughs> um, we talk a lot about America, founding fathers, a lot about America, a lot about Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson. Um, and this is what I really appreciate about right-wing libertarianism, specifically Hoppians. Um, there is a, particularly in America, it gives a respect for American culture that, uh, and patriotism, that kind of thing, that is completely lost on most libertarians. Like, it was a whole um, brouhaha on Twitter maybe a few weeks ago, maybe months ago, on is patriotism and nationalism. <laughs> and it, yeah, it was um, it was pretty funny, but also kind of sad. We've seen all these people who I consider smart, good libertarians having these really dumb takes on like patriotism and on respect and actually liking American culture. So it was um. So one one of the chapters that I'm going to do, and the reason that I didn't mention them in this chapter is on libertarianism, uh, specifically in the problems that we've encountered with it. One of the major problems as uh, I don't know if you've ever read On Power with by Juvenal. I don't think I have yet. Uh, I would I'm recommend not... reading it. It's a very good book. Um, I'll but... add it to the list. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it's very good. And uh, he specifically, I had come to this conclusion uh, through Murray Rothbard, actually, not Juvenal. But uh, one of the uh, really brilliant points, there's actually a quote uh, video that uh, our social media director uh, put together from Juvenal. And I, I can't quote it right now, but basically that this progressive uh, push, this egalitarian push would eventually end in the atomization of society. And I call these people as a, a derogatory term, uh, atomites. Uh, they want everyone to be this hyper individualism where we're not tied together by anything except for buying cheese from one another or something like 
that that's not what human relationships are. That's not realistic. Those aren't, that's non-hierarchical. It's egalitarian. And, and I view those people as egalitarians. And I'm sure some of them are very nice people. And, you know, they're just, they misunderstand the point here. And the point is, is that patriotism and nationalism is just literally uh, in the modern sense, pride pride in oneself, pride in one's family, pride in one's community. There's nothing wrong with that. And nations, nations are comprised of the same thing. Nations are you and your family and your relatives and your neighbors and your communities. That's uh, your cultural traditions, your language. That's what a nation is. So there's nothing inherently wrong uh, with nationalism. Now, in the 19th uh, century, or maybe I guess I should say the 20th century, nationalism had become had come to no, been known as a centralizing force, and that's mostly because in the 19th century we were way more decentralized, and the push towards nationalism was a push towards um, centralization. But in the 21st century, we are more global. Uh, I guess, earth, right? So the push towards nationalism is actually a decentralist idea. Um, and this goes back to, I've made this tweet several, several times. Um, when the world is globalist, I'm a nationalist. When the world is nationalist, I'm a, a regionalist. When uh, the world is regionalist, I'll be a localist. And that's kind of the, the, the progression here, right? We're moving away towards that overall centralizing authority. And these people don't understand that. They, they look at this as a very dry uh, kind of science almost. And, and it's not. It, it is a fluid thing that's constantly changing. And the one thing that's constantly changing is that we're continuing, continuing to centralize. And the next step after globalism, um, if we ever, speaking of space, um, if we uh, ever expand out into space, it will be like, okay, well, now we're the Imperium. We're the Imperium of man in space, right? Like, that's where it will go next. And this is the progress towards that. And, and I don't like that. I don't want that. I want the progress to go the other direction. So I will be a hardcore nationalist if that's what the world is going to be, I'll be a hardcore globalist if we go towards the Imperium, a man in space, right? Like that's that's where it needs to be. You need to take uh, the, the complete opposite direction of the way that this is going. And these guys, they, they just don't get that. And, and it's kind of sad because it's like there there is really some beautiful things um, that America, and when I speak of America, I'm talking about the nation and how I just described it, has achieved, right? I mean, you look at, we put a man on the moon. We literally put a human being on another heavenly body. That is amazing. Uh, we've cured unknown number of diseases. We, we've uh, all but eliminated poverty through through capitalism. I mean, like, uh, the, there's just a, an immense amount of wonder in the world. And it's, it is really sad to see people throw that away just for simply the state being associated with it. Because what today is the state not associated with? Um, yeah. I, I mean, they've taken over education. They're, they're going to start taking over the family. And I talk about that in the chapter. That's, that's what's next. They're going to come after the family. Um, it is hey, inevitable. That's what, my, that's what my book's on. So I need to not release that one. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna hold off a little bit. Let me at least finish my book. Um, cool. Okay. Yeah. What is this? Uh, Bert says you dumped on uh, Mars. Is that Mars Two A you dumped on, or is that somebody else? I'm thinking of. Um, what did I say? I don't even remember. I I didn't see that, and uh, I would 
I'm curious to see it now. Uh, but if you could find that, like link it up, tag me on Twitter or post something like that, that'd be great. Um, I don't only see that. I don't but, know. Um, I dunk on so many people. It's, it's hard to. You remember. do, and it's it's always enjoyable. <laughs> Thank you. I'm always surprised. I'm like, wait, he's a blockless person yet? <laughs> no. Well, and sometimes it's funny because I'll, I'll like somebody will send me something and I'll laugh and I'll unblock them and then I'll quote tweet them on them, wait for the you know like and retweet count to go up and then I'll reblock them because I don't want them reporting me because that's that's the number one way to silence someone is to report them on Twitter. So. I just get ahead of it. Um, if I think you're uh, likely to block me, if I think you're a leftist or you act like a leftist, I'm going to block you. Smart move. Smart move. So let's get into this book. So we're going it's, it's, the chapter is cut into sections. We're going to go section by section. I have a quote from each section. Okay. We're kind of going to dive more into it. So let's start, let's start. Let's begin when the book begins. Defining the divide. There's a fundamental difference between the right and the left, and it is not by any means an arbitrary distinction. It is present and important. It is a present and important difference that defines, in many ways, the very way we see the world. So, define, define the divide. Um, right, and left. You know, we kind of go deeper into that later on. But really, uh, right, how do you define the right and the left? What so, at the highest level, it is simply the difference between an egalitarian and someone who believes in the natural order. That's all it is. Is if you're an egalitarian, you believe in anything that's egalitarian. You're a leftist. If you believe in the natural order, you believe in hierarchies, natural hierarchies, natural elites, and things like that. You're on the right, and that's really all it is. Yeah, I don't really have much to add. I mean, that's what the definition I've been using has been. Uh, I've been using the same definition for right and left. Uh, I use these hierarchical and um, egalitarian order and chaos, you know, kind of keep it simple. And and that's really all it is. Where it gets difficult is where you start to have to identify the different types of hierarchies Um, because the state is a hierarchy, right? But the state is an artificial hierarchy. It is not a natural hierarchy. It is not a natural penchant to move in that direction. And the reason that I say that is because if you've uh, ever read Short History of Man or um, there's a Rothbard book that also talks to something similar. I can't name it right now, but, um, basically, uh, it, the original human beings, when we were separating out, we had to, we had to separate, right? We had to separate because there was violence over food and the Malthusian conflict and all that separation, uh, really solved that for us. And that separation helped define and create, uh, the, the family unit. Um, because we had to depend on one another and we had, didn't have this, you know, group of hunters that was large and they would all go out and then we would, or, or we didn't have the foraging capability and wherever we fled to and things like that. And as a result, we had, we needed a a proper hierarchy. We needed a proper, um, way to organize. And that's really where property comes from too, is that's where, uh, the original organization comes from. So we, we, go to a section of land and we plant and do things like that. Uh, we need to designate someone as a guard or we need to designate someone to process food while we go and hunt or something like that. These are the the kind of social organizations that are created. And then as a result, we don't have everything we need. So we begin to trade. And as we begin to trade, we begin to understand that, you know, this is mine and that's yours. So we, that that's where property really comes from is, is that, um, that, uh, that cultivation of land, that uh, possession of property that isn't just, um, I'm just going to eat this animal that's on the ground and then move on and then somebody else is going to come on and eat it. That's not the way that we evolved to, to, to live. And that's where all of that really comes from. So 
Um, that that's kind of the natural side of that. And then you have the artificial constructs, which don't come from that. And those artificial constructs are um, mostly around leveling people or coming in and using force on others to say, okay, well, you have, you know, five bags of rice. Well, I need some rice. I didn't own the property. I didn't plant the land. I didn't process the rice. So I'm just going to take it from you. Well, now I've created a hierarchy because now I'm over you because I'm taking things from you, but it's artificial because I've stolen it. I've not, I've not done that appropriation appropriately. So that's now an artificial construct. I had several questions wrote out and you kind of just answered them as you were going along, <laughs> um, which is great. It saves, it saves me time. So that's great. Um, yeah, I, I really have much more to say on the later chapters, but the later parts of the chapter. Um, just going to move on to the next part here. Like, um, political parties, ideologies, and principles. The nature of politics demands that political parties be flexible and not so wizard as to not gain favor with the population of the area in which they are operating. As such, political parties are offered a mess of ideologies and independent beliefs or ideas. For this reason, a conservative party in a left-wing area might be further left-wing than a liberal party in a right-wing area. I, I really like that book. I think there's... um. A lot of people's idea of the right and left are very really wrapped into, uh, um, specifically America, the centric politics are. So they know yeah. they point to Republicans. These guys must be right wing. Democrats are left wing. Yeah. And you can have I, I can't say really many right wing Democrats, but you know, Southern Democrat like Kevin Spacey and House of Cards. Yeah. Um. And then really anyone on the right is automatically this right wing. Anybody anybody in the Republican Party is automatically right wing, even though I could argue people like Ted Cruz, uh, certain people on the right, Dan Quinsall probably yeah. aren't actually on the right. The much more leftists who just happen to live in a right-wing area could run on a right-wing platform. But but if you go to say, I don't know, um, maybe uh, an, uh, uh, Western European country, any of them, uh, ha hazard to name any of them to, to prevent from angering anyone, but um, uh, if you were to go to any Western uh, European country, that those people may be seen as crazy nut, you know, Nazis or whatever. Even people on the Democrat side, because they're not full-blown communists or they're not, um, you know, social Democrats that want to destroy everything and reduce us all to, you know, perfect democracy or something like that. I mean, this is kind of the the uh, classic thing that Walter Block likes to say is, okay, well, you're this, but compared to what? And the, those that's always the question we need to ask ourselves is what what is this compared to? And if we look at most of the world. Uh, today specifically, uh, we have a, uh, and essentially we have a left-wing world. Um, America, in my opinion, is the last bastion of any semblance of the right. And once the right in America is gone, it will be a left-wing world and we'll have a much more egalitarian world. And to, to the leftists, that sounds like bliss and the, they can only hope to accelerate it to the point where they put us all in camps um, but to a right winger, that sounds very black billed, right? Like we're it, we're the last stand. And, and to some extent, you know, it, 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 it's, it's hard to deal with that reality, but it is reality and we have to deal with it. And that just shows to, to the people that don't understand that how much we have to lose, right? Um, it, if you've never traveled the world, um, it, it's not like when you go to one of these more egalitarian countries, like it's all you know, some kind of mass fire and, you know, there's chaos in the streets or whatever, but individual rights are gone. Um, 
name another country in the world where you really have the right to bear arms. And I'm sure there's going to be a libertarian out there to say, well, you don't have it either. I can own an AR-15. Name another country where I can own an AR-15 by just being of age and going to the store. Like, name one. You're not going to be able to name one. There isn't one, right? Hmm. There isn't another country in the world that has really true free speech. And again, we don't have really true free speech, but much more so than Germany, where you can flag people on social media and they'll show up at your house to arrest you. Um, yeah, I've, I've been I've been reading into Germany and um, kind of what their policies are like towards free speech. And I, I read a paragraph with Martin Coltsfield, but he kind of went to a little bit of Germany stuff of post World War II, and I've been kind of reading into it. It's it's bad to insane. Yeah, it is. Um, one of the uh, most horrifying. Like this is going to sound really. Um, odd to people, but what I would say is one of the worst things that ever happened to Germany after World War II was reunification. I think reunification really hurt West Germany very badly. Um, they had to give up uh, their ban on abortion. They had to capitulate to uh, gay marriage and the the tranny stuff that uh, ironically the, the, there was a particular mustache man who was burning those books. Um, and they had to recapitulate to that because of East Germany. Uh, there were state-licensed gay discos in East Germany. Um, so if you can believe it. And this is another thing that really bothers me is people like to think of this like, oh, well, your definition doesn't make sense because actually the USSR was very conservative. And I'm like, no, it really wasn't. Um, yeah. They were literally dropping leaflets with uh, their soldiers arm in arm with like the rainbow of people, you know, like they've got a black woman and an Asian guy and all of that. That the, they were they're the ultimate egalitarians. I mean, like, come on, like, especially even for the time, like it, if you were to bring the USSR forward in time to the current day, um, they would very much look like this hyper trans reality that we're dealing with right now it was the same thing it was just in the 40s it was the exact same thing so this is something people don't understand and, and it, it's um it, it is infuriating because I, I think it's mostly just because people don't bother to read and they take for granted what they learned in public school uh, or, or what they've yeah. seen on on blogs or things like that or the history channel yeah something like that it's like take five minutes and read a book like it, it will really help you because really it's the only place left you can go to actually get knowledge these days because the internet in its beginning was awesome and, and it still kind of is i mean there's still a lot of great stuff out there and a lot of great content but more and more you're seeing things disappear um I, there have been a lot of online libraries that uh, i have that I had frequented maybe 10 years ago that are gone um, or that now are so controlled you can't see certain things on them. They're rewriting history in public schools. I mean, and they've been doing that for a long time, but now it's super obvious. I mean, like, it, it's not like changing the name of someone or, or, you know, maybe embellishing a little bit in a, a chapter or what have you. It's they're rewriting, totally rewriting history and excluding pieces of our past intentionally um, left and right. So it, uh... and it's, it's, it's very hard to have uh, I, my, my best friend, IOL, uh, loves history. Both love studying history. We both read opposite history books on the same topic. Yeah. Um, he'll watch people like uh, Time Stuff with Dan Cummings, who always gives the most blue pill take on a historical event. Mm -hmm. And um, all we, like, we all get about Lincoln. And I was because I was reading Thomas D. Oh, no. book. 
And it kind of reminds me, I can't remember the actual like term of it, but um, Jimmy Aiken, the Catholic apologist, says it's always easier to spill milk than it is to clean it up. And so it's even when someone makes a mess of something to actually, like, you know, it's easy to knock, make a mess of something than it is to clean up the mess. And so it's yeah. so easy for someone to buy into a lie and try to dissuade them of that lie when they've been told to lie the truth. It's, it's damn near impossible. Oh, yeah. And you can, all the facts in this world don't matter because the facts aren't really facts because that's not what the uh, official history book has told me. A hundred percent. I mean, you uh, like I, I hate to keep referencing the Soviet Union, but Soviet Union was the same way. Uh, a lot of post-Soviet countries are still dealing with the fallout of a lot of, of propaganda that they were fed over the years, even though now they're independent of the USSR and independent of Russia. They're still dealing with people and, and, and descendants of those people who bought those lies. Mm-hmm. Um, they believe that it was a more prosperous time under the USSR than they have now. And it is just, I mean, it's a bald-faced lie. Uh, they, they believe that there, there wasn't all these problems and that, the, you know, things were organized well and, you know, they had it easier. And it's it's just not true. And it it is very surprising to me how easy it is to manipulate a human being. Um, and it's a little scary, uh, yeah. especially for being being on the right and knowing that it makes it very scary because all of the rhetoric that they've been using for the past, you know, five, 10 years about everyone on the right being a Nazi, um, they continue to use that, um, that rhetoric. Uh, that's what they're going to act on that rhetoric. If they're setting it up, they're going to act on it. Now, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not the next day, but they will eventually act on it. Uh, anybody wants to hear more about good history stuff? Uh, Pete Quinone's series with Thomas Seven 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 is a is really interesting, and I recommend everybody um go listen to that if you haven't already listened to it. Um, we got a comment from Mac here. America is the last bastard of the right. Spicy take for the dissident right these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the the dissident right is um, it, I'm disappointed in the dissident right. Uh, there's a lot of pseudo-communists and uh, Nazis and the dissident right. And it is, it's sad. Um, there's been a lot of people in uh, a lot of different right-wing areas that have capitulated, not just on economics, but a lot of different things. And it's, it's disheartening. And part of it is due to subversion. Um, that's the chapter I'm going to cover in the book is subversion because it's one of the best tools the left ever invented and they continue to use it to today. Um, it's why the Republican Party got taken over by ex-communists, also known as Trotskyists, also known as neocons. Um, that's how they did it. Um, the The French Revolution, uh, Trotsky was also involved in that. Um, and you would invade a, a party or, or a political organizing event. And eventually over time, you turn the people that are saying the exact same thing five years ago as they are now into the opposite enemy of what they're supposedly representing. It's a, it's a brilliant tactic and it continues to work. And um, part of it goes to the fact that human beings can be easily manipulated. So um, th- these are the types of things we have to, that he, we have to prevent and that there are ways to do it. And I'll go over strategies in, in that chapter. But um, the, one of the most obvious thing is if you see someone, it doesn't matter how long you follow them on Twitter. doesn't matter how long you've been friends on Facebook. If you see someone saying something and they're supposedly on the right and they're representing right wing ideas and they say something left wing, call them out. 
That's all you have to do. Just say, no, you're wrong. And here's why I call them out. It's all it takes. Um, You got to have a little bit of moral courage here to be able to do this. And a lot of times you're going to make enemies doing it. I've made lots of enemies calling lots of people out. Um, But that's what has to be done. And if you're not willing to do that, then stay out of politics, stay out of philosophy because uh, hell, stay out of your local community group because um, that happens there too. It happens in uh, like, like what do people like to reference all the time? Gamergate, same thing. Like that's what gen- that that was the genesis of that whole thing was that the left was subverting uh, the gaming industry and, and the gaming sphere specifically. I think gaming journalism um, and people got sick of it and pushed back and then they turned it into this huge thing. Um, so you got to keep your communities and that's not just figurative. You literally need to keep people out of these spaces that don't belong in them. And it's not that you can't bring people in and educate them but you have to be willing to correct people when they're wrong. Um, And that's another, uh, I created a political term maybe two years ago and I call them plague blankets Um, because you, you know, like the the classic idea, you give someone a blanket filled with smallpox and they take the blanket back to their community and it spreads throughout their community. Well, the same thing happens in, in philosophy and politics is you let one person in with a bad idea and that bad idea is going to spread like smallpox and you have to stop it. You have to burn that blanket before it ever gets in. So it, that's really one of the only ways to stop it. There are other things that you can do um, to prevent that, but that's the main one. If everybody just had a little moral courage and said, no, you're not a part of this community, because of this reason or that reason, or you're wrong, um, then, then we'd all be better off. And that, that, I, I'm sorry to keep rambling, but libertarians, libertarians specifically, get on to other libertarians because they're fighting with each other. That is good. Infighting is good. It sharpens, uh, iron sharpens iron, right? If we are not willing to engage in those arguments, then we don't belong in the space. Stop singing this kumbaya bullshit and start calling people out. And it's good that we do that. And, and, and really, we need more of it because there are major, major problems with libertarianism right now today because we have sung that kumbaya bullshit. It's time to get rid of it. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go back a little bit um, to the distant right because I've, I've been going deeper looking to distant right. I'm been watching a lot of videos, reading a lot of content. I enjoy a lot of it. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of great stuff there. But there's an issue I see that a lot of these people, I, like I said, a lot of them kind of drop economics, become like weird from the communists or uh, other other things. Why do you think that is? Like, why is it the people who go, who go so far right they end up like horse you see we become a little bit too left in these circles? Uh, I, I like to to make the reference to Curtis Yardman because I think that he's kind of done the same thing. Um, sometimes, so there's a few different reasons, but sometimes if you're an intellectual, if you're someone who's intelligent, um, you go so deeply that, uh, you bloat and float to the top. Um, mostly because you, you've gone so far down this one trail of what you thought was correct, that the only thing you can think to do is go back to the beginning. And that is not necessary. Uh, just because you can't think of a solution doesn't mean that there isn't a solution. Um, you know, that this is again where infighting can help and those dis- those discussions can help vet those things. Um, but but beyond that, 
there are simply subversion is definitely one of the problems um, that ends up causing this. That's one. That's another reason. So we need to gatekeep appropriately, keep those people out to prevent those plague blankets from spreading their smallpox. Um, and then the the third is simply that people just don't read much anymore. Um, there there is this feeling, this innate natural feeling, like there's something wrong. And people are willing to look or read into anything that will get them away from what it currently is. It is it is a, a child touching a hot stove, right? So what are they going to do? They're going to run for the yard. It doesn't make sense to run for the yard, but they're going to run for the yard. And that's what they're doing. They, instead of think, sitting down and thinking it and saying, okay, well, maybe I'm going to learn and try and figure this out. Why is this happening? Uh, uh, you know, think rationally about it. it it's a It's a... It's a reactionary reaction, right? Like I'm just, I've reacted to this. And I, I get into that a little bit in the chapter. I, I say I'm not a reactionary definitionally because um, reaction is is A, not sufficient and reaction can uh, B, cause major, major problems uh, when you're when you're trying to, to push in the opposite direction. I, you're not standing still saying not one step further. You need to turn around and run the other direction. You cannot stand still and be, and and achieve the natural order. You, you can't achieve being right wing by standing still. And this is what conservatism really is, is that, you know, we're, we're the guardians. We're standing at the gate. Um, and, and that standing at the gate, is, all that's going to do is nothing. You, you're literally, you're either going to get toppled and pulled over or uh, the, the city's already been ransacked. I mean, like you, you're, you're, you're worthless. We're going to, we're going to get to conservative. That's, that's two more uh, points <laughs> down. Okay. Let's, uh, let's get into the French and the Americans. Cause um, yeah, let me just go here. Yeah. We can see that those rallying for a constitution during the French revolution were also misguided. That's not to say that monarchy was perfect, but that, or that it was without fault, but that the push towards constitutionalism was in fact a degeneration of the natural order as it subverted a more natural hierarchical order. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been reading into the, the French Revolution more, and it's um it's fucked up. Yeah, uh, it, it's a lot of like I'm, I'm, I'm um, doing a live reading of a uh, monarchy and war by Eric von Cadut Ledin, who blames almost everything to the French Revolution. Yeah, yeah. Um, I- Canaletta is very good. I it's definitely best. recommend Liberty and Equality. It's a great book. Yeah, that one. I, I really enjoyed leftism. I, I'm really. Uh, I'm going to that one now, and I, I really enjoy it. He's um, he's not. He's not talked about enough in the right wing circles. I feel like not enough. Nowhere near and enough. It's because like um, Curtis Yarbrough, when he's making in his four minutes manifesto, he's listed like people you should read it. So you don't have to read him, and he puts uh, Ladin like right next to Burnham and Hopper, mm-hmm. and people kind of just breeze past that one, and don't touch them, and it's uh, it's wicked. He's like maybe I'm maybe I'm Catholic, so I'm biased, but I, I think he's my favorite out of that bunch. He he's great. Uh, I mean, really, a lot of what I'm talking about is an evolution of of his work as well, because. Um, you know, he was a old school aristocrat, basically. I mean, that's really what he believed in was the aristocracy, right? So, um, that is one of the purest, uh, I wouldn't say it is the natural order, but it is one of the purest forms of hierarchy that we've seen is the aristocracy. And we really need to go back to that. I would be perfectly happy if we went back to the aristocracy, um, but you have to take into consideration how much egalitarianism has destroyed our society, our culture. Um, so it, it's it's difficult to chart that path back to where we need to go. But we sure do need to do it. 
the point here, you, you said in that chapter, um, if you're in American or you're right wing, the idea of a, a constitution doesn't sound so bad as opposed to a monarchy. Um, it seems to be an issue. I think this is actually one of the complaints a lot of the people who are uh, libertarians may have popul uh, not populism, uh, patriotism. I think had a, a fair point that a lot of uh, American conservatives are their ideology is just the founding fathers were always yeah. right. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's this weird thing where today people can't, they think the love thing means you can't criticize it. Yeah. And it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's sad and ridiculous and it's frankly not, it's not true at all. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, it, if we were in 1795, sure. I mean, uh, we wouldn't have the understanding that we do now. So it, it's easier to criticize people now looking backwards. And that, that's really the point I wanted to get across is that I'm not criticizing the founder and founding fathers in 1795. I'm criticizing them today in 2022. Because today in 2022, we've seen the results, right? The results are undeniable that we have a problem, right? So where did that problem start? Clearly, if the government had, and the Constitution rather, had, had been able to do what it needed to do, we wouldn't be in this situation, but we are. So let's deal with reality. Um, conservatives have a lot of dealing with reality problems in that realm, much like libertarians do with living in their head. Um, you don't live in 1776 and you're not in Pennsylvania, you know, while they're signing the Constitution or where they're drafting the Constitution and all them declaring, you know, independence. So um, it is uh, it is very much a, a living in your head scenario for, for a lot of conservatives. And they've got to break out of that, too. Absolutely. Let's get into the, the left. This is where I'm, I'm going to push back on you a little bit here. Sure. Um, the left. The left describes the ideas of equality, a leveling of the social, political, and natural qualities of man, and the world around him. To them, anyone who would seek to prevent that is an oppressor. To a leftist, nature itself is an oppressor. Um, I have this problem. With, I don't. Have, it's not really a problem because I agree with it, but I think I'm going to push back on this enough so you can elaborate on this. Sure. Um, when Hopper or Hoppian describes leftists as egalitarian, and they describe egalitarianism. It is so patently absurd. It's hard to believe anyone actually believes it. Yeah, and so it's hard to. Uh, it seems like it's an insufficient definition of uh, the left itself because no leftist would actually subscribe to that definition. So it appears like a straw man to some people. So um, it, it just depends. So there are a lot of leftists who believe in leftism but don't know it, and there are a lot of right wingers who believe in leftism and don't know it. Um, going back again to the founding fathers of which we were just talking about that all men are created equal or uh, the equality of opportunity or the fact that they uh, one of Rothbard's favorite uh, tests was the King test um, to where, you know, if you if you thought Martin Luther King, a, a subversive communist who fought for civil rights was a great libertarian, then you are not a libertarian. You do not believe in the right. You're not a right winger. Um, and, and that's going to shock the hell out of some people. Um, be, but they stop reading Rothbard after anatomy at the state of the state and they think they know everything. Um, Nowadays, and, and, they don't read that. They just read like one line or a meme and say that's enough. <laughs> yep, exactly. Or, or the, they subscribe to some blog of some guy who did the same thing. And now you have this degeneration after de successful degeneration or uh, uh, successful generation after degeneration uh, of these individuals. And you have to, uh, people that need to break free of that. But going back to the left, I mean, there there is not one left-wing policy that is not aimed toward egalitarianism. Uh, look at this trans identity crap. 
like the trans identity crap is all based around equality. It is based around the fact that there are no differences between men and women. Then the differences, the inequality is what creates that hierarchy and they don't want that hierarchy. So what do they do? Well, now you're not a man. You're a he, she, it thing, whatever. Like you're just a piece of meat on a, on a bone stick. That's what you are. Right. So this is, this is what they try and do. Um, the, the push towards, uh, banning uh, homeschool. It's the same thing. They don't want that. They don't want that hierarchy to exist between uh, a parent's rights and the, and the state's rights, right? So they want everyone to be controlled under the state school because that will, they, then they can indoctrinate them with further egalitarianism. Uh, Civil Rights Act was good. You know, secession was bad, you know, things like this. Um, secession and separation. Separation at its core is an anti-egalitarian idea. Because you are literally separating yourselves from other people and saying, no, we're different. We are different, so we need to be separate. And that is inequality, and inequality is a hierarchy, right? So th this is where the left sits. Uh, I, I literally cannot let name a truly left-wing policy um, that either the Democrats espouse or communists espouse and, and, and differentiate it from an egalitarian structure or, at the very minimum, an artificial hierarchy. And that's really where you have to understand that artificial hierarchies are not right wing. And that's where a majority of people miss what is left and right, because they see a hierarchy and they say, that's a hierarchy. That means it's right wing. And that is not true. It has to be a natural hierarchy. If it's not a natural hierarchy and it's an artificial hierarchy, it is egalitarian in nature. Later in the same chapter, you said, um, after describing the left and egalitarianism, you said, Thus, it is the fundamental purpose of right-wing political philosophy to determine the nature of hierarchies and develop a theory around them, and um, conversely, for left-wing political philosophy to determine the nature of uh, equality, develop a theory around it. That's it. That's all there is to it. And he later said after that, I didn't get the whole quote because a space, but that it's more complicated than yes and no. We went into more detail, which I'm, I'm glad you did. Um. It seems a lot of people have a view that um, I think it was Curtis Yarvin who said anything not left wing is right wing, um, and that a lot right wing itself seems that like right wing is a natural order, uh, is pro natural order pro hierarchies. That right wing is inherently re uh, reactionary to leftist attempting to change the status quo. Mm -hmm. What do you have any response to that? Yeah, I, I would say a hundred percent that that's inaccurate. I, I would say that exactly, uh, maybe the complete opposite. I would say anything that is not right wing is left wing, um, because I, I think that's a much easier and more tenable position to take. Because today, what is most of the world? Most of the world is left wing. Most of the world is crap. Um, we see a lot of problems today, and and it, you don't, you wouldn't see these problems in a natural order. You wouldn't see these problems on the right. And then um, uh, to go on, what was the second part? Uh, refresh my memory. Sorry. Second of uh, what? The quote or the um, what I said? Uh, the the last part of what Curtis Yarvin said. Oh, uh, anything not right, uh, not left wing, inherently right wing. And then he said, um, "This is what I added to it that because the right is for the natural order and for natural hierarchies, and the left is, uh, is opposed to the natural order. That right wing is inherently uh, reactionary to left wing." Oh, yeah, 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 and, and and quite the opposite, actually. I I would say that um, conservatives who are primarily now today leftists. 
they're the reactionaries. They're reacting to the world as the way it is. And as a result, they don't know how to fight back against it. A right winger is not reactionary by definition. A right winger pushes the other direction. They're not just simply reacting to the current moment. They're not waiting for this to occur. We are pushing that direction. We've been pushing that direction from day one. We don't stop going that direction. And this is what the left does. The left does not stop. They every day, like it, people call it the slippery slope or whatever it is, but the left doesn't stop. They didn't stop at gay marriage. They won't stop at transgenderism. The next thing that it will, will happen is the destruction of the family. That's coming next. I guarantee it. There will be something that happens that will they will attempt to destroy the family unit in one way or another because it is the pure one of the purest forms of natural hierarchy that they have yet to destroy completely. They will go after it. They have to go after it because without the destruction of the family and communitizing children and, and relationships, and that's another thing, is, is relationships. They, you know, Who cares about getting married? Who cares about having a monogamous relationship? We're all going to be this uh, poly orgy thing or whatever. Like That's what they want to do. They want to destroy those relationships because they know that the family unit is where it starts. And if they can destroy the family unit, they think they, they can destroy hierarchy, right? Uh, I've got news for them. Even if they manage to destroy the family, the natural order will reassert itself eventually. If you let it alone, that is the natural state of man, and it will revert to that. It is like an abandoned road, as I said in the chapter. Nature will reclaim it. Um, so this is why the left can't stop. The left knows that if, if it does stop, natural order will reassert itself, right? And conservatives, that you know, that they're under this presupposition as well. The problem is conservatives, conservatives might have a point if the left simply ceased to exist, right? If the left simply ceased to exist and we were just standing guard over what we have, yeah, you would see a natural expansion uh, uh, of the natural order. But we're not in that reality. The left exists. As a result, I cannot be a reactionary. I must fight against them and continue to fight against them. This reminds me of the uh, the point Wasbard made in his uh, article, Strategy for the Right, which I've been doing a live reading of with um, Repeal the 20th Century. And one of the students to go check that out. Um, he goes out to the recent um, for the old rights, and the old rights finally back. The term conservative, how it is inherently just. Um, and not it's not good enough what to use because what are you trying to consider policy from 40 years ago? Right, um, exactly. So it's okay. Well, we've always talked about conservative, let's kind of go deeper into it to the uh chapter on conservatives. I didn't grab a quote for that one because um I didn't think I needed to. And also kind of said everything you said about conservatives. So is there anything else you want to say about conservatism before you move on to power and elites? Um, but I would say, you know, I, I've given a lot of, especially during the strain, I've given a lot of conservatives some crap, but I, I will say this, uh, they're way more friendly to us than the, uh, us on the real right than the left is. And they're capable of being, um, I guess, educated on the fact, on these facts. And you're seeing more and more of it every day, right? You, you're seeing more and more, even Republicans, um, move that direction. So these are where we need to find allies. Um, there is no one further right than the extreme far right. So we need to look maybe left a little bit, but not much. We can't go too far. And then don't immediately just let them in. You know, we have to, uh, for the lack of a better term and a terrible term at that is groom them a little bit, right? <laughs> we need to 
we need to educate them. We need to bring them into the ideas, right? And then figure it out from there. But they're, they're going to be much more amenable to it than a leftist is. And this is why I always talk about don't don't even talk to the left. The left is so far gone, it is no point in, in, in going to them. You are literally wasting time. Uh, you're wasting resources and efficiency. Not that a leftist can't be converted if given enough time, energy, and resources, but you are literally, it's an inefficient um, distribution of, of your time and, and, and human capital. It, when you could easily focus on a left, or not a leftist, but you could easily focus on a right winger and get there in, in a, a fifth of the time, right? So um, th this is why I want to say is, you know, the conservatives for all of their faults are still more, way more of our friends than the left is. Um, I will say that, there are, and as you well know, there are definitely quote unquote conservatives who are extremely far left. Um, they may call themselves conservatives, but they are not conservatives. They would happily run alongside the left as long as they could get paid to do it. Um, so keep that in mind when you're looking for allies and friends is that uh, uh, maybe people that would say that they'd be your friend really aren't. Do you have, do you have a favorite conservative? Like, is there a conservative specifically you, you would point people to or to read the patents into? Um, that's a great question. Um, I, I actually really like Russell Kirk. Um, I, I think that he, uh, I think he got a lot of things right. Uh, he, he got a lot of things wrong, obviously. Um, but I actually enjoy his writing quite a bit. Um, who else? I've got a number of them on my shelf. I'm trying to think of, uh, who else I should mention? Um, you know, Clyde Wilson uh, styles himself as a conservative, but I, I don't think that he is. I think he's much closer to us than uh, he would ever care to admit. Um, he's a he's a really really smart guy, especially on the South and uh, and, and uh, American history in particular. Um, who else? Uh, I guess you could say Thomas Carlyle. Um, Carlisle is great. I've been reading the French Revolution yeah. by uh, Carlisle. It's uh, it's good. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure if I if I was pressed, I could name some more. But uh, that's a pretty good list. If you can get through those guys, you pretty much know conservatism. Hmm. Do you have a least favorite conservative who was held up by the right as a good conservative, not a partisan <laughs> one, but like an also or a news uh, figure? Hmm. Uh. Historically or, or today? Uh, one of each. If you pick one of each, it'd be great. So how about something in the middle? Charles Krauthammer. Uh, I, mm. would, I would roll him down a flight of stairs. Uh, totally <laughs> evil human being, and I'm personally glad he's gone. I did not yeah. like that man. Yeah, I think uh, for me, it's my favorite's Paul Gottfried, and then the worst is uh, I, I fucking hate George Will. I like, should I, I should have mentioned Paul Gottfried. I love Paul Gottfried. He's great. Yeah, he's he's great. Um. Yeah, and then I pick a dead one, Samuel Francis. Um, but because I'm actually I'm going through uh, what's it called, um, Leviathan's and his enemies right now. Yeah, it's way bigger book. than I thought it was. <laughs> one of one of my recommended books for the dissident right, Leviathan and its enemies. Great book. Yeah, it's it's real good. Um, okay, so we move on to the next part here. Uh, on power and elites, culture is born not of power but of separation, not of equality but of inequality. It is a dis um disparated between human beings, the very nature of our unequal nature that gives rise to culture. Yeah. I think that is um, important, Bucket. I think 
a lot of people, everyone's talking about cultural narratives because of the cultural war. And yeah. I don't think not enough people understand what one, what culture is, and two, what actually, um, what builds culture and what makes culture culture. Is they yeah. everyone's talking about, but no one knows what it is. And it's, uh, I don't know what it is. It's hard, it's hard to describe culture, how it comes about. Um, but it's everyone's talking about it. There needs to be more books or writings on what is culture. Yeah, you know, and I think a lot of times, uh, as I speak to in the chapter, you know, there there is this understanding that maybe culture can be civic, and that there's this civic culture that is not culture. That is a, a, a um, that is a result of the state. Um, culture is natural. You shouldn't have to develop it. It exists. It is something that uh, comes about as a result of uh, our separation and our inequality with others. It is um, what what gives rise to that is that separation. That separation creates language and language creates tradition and tradition uh, creates culture. Um, they, these are the types of things that, that people refuse to deal with specifically when they're talking about, you know, what, what can we do to repair the culture? What can we do to fix this cultural problem? Um, you don't you don't do that um you you are you are damaging it more trying to do that than you are helping it um that culture can uh only really get be uh i guess repaired through the natural order and reestablishing that natural order without it uh it, it will cease to exist um if we tried to reestablish southern culture right now with the way that everything is, it would become some bastardized version of it. Um, you, you need to create that separation again in order to see uh, that that Southern culture take root again and then uh, flourish again. It may not be exactly the same, but at least it would be a natural incarnation of it. Hmm. Well, uh, last last part of the chapter was called a uh, summary. We kind of summarize your ideas. Um, this is your chance, I guess, for you to kind of summarize start of this chapter kind of give us an overview of everything you said and maybe uh kind of go from there kind of give us an overview of what you said this podcast of the chapter and takeaways big takeaways for your people that uh walk away with from meeting this yeah i think the number one thing that i that i want people to get from this chapter is that nothing is quite the way it seems um most people don't quite get there they don't really have a good explanation of why things are but they can sure complain about it a whole lot uh, I'm trying to give you an explanation of why these things are occurring. And the way these things, why these things are occurring is because we've continued to move further from the natural order. We've continued to move towards egalitarianism. And there's been confusion around what is right-wing and what is left-wing. <laughs> if we have a cogent, cohesive uh, definition, which I hope I've laid out here, we can then use that as a tool or a guiding principle in order to exclude others, right? This is what I was talking about in uh, politics and uh, the, the the section about politics and uh, political parties and, and principle and all of that. Uh, you have to have that uh, razor's edge. Uh, if you don't have that razor's edge, you're, you're you know you're you're cutting with a stick of butter. It's not going to do anything. Um, so. It, once you understand this difference between the natural order and egalitarianism, you can then view everything through that lens. And that will allow you to then properly assess what's happening and properly exclude people that shouldn't be within your ranks. Um, the further, just uh, to reiterate for probably the fifth time, um, artificial hierarchies uh, do not exist. 
Natural egalitarianism does not exist. These two things both do not exist, and as such, the four-quadrant political spectrum is wrong. There is a left-right dichotomy, as I've laid out here, and everything falls within it. Um, you, are, you either believe in hierarchies or you believe in egalitarianism. Um, now, given it's obviously a scale and there are things where people believe in hierarchies here or egalitarianism there, but one thing the right has to realize is the more, more things that you capitulate to on egalitarianism, the more egalitarian you are going to become. You are not immune from infection. You like the, the one thing that I've seen on the right, maybe more than anything, is this equality of opportunity meme. That is not uh, right wing. The equality of opportunity is not right wing. I stop, hate you not repeating, stop repeating it. Say it is so annoying. Stop. Like yeah. no one is born with opportunity. Someone has to give them opportunity. Mm -hmm. So how are you going to give it to them? Well, the only way to give it to them is through some form of egalitarianism. So stop, stop saying it. It, it is, yes. it is an absolutely useless thing to say. And you are just using it as a capitulation to the left. Stop capitulating. Mm -hmm. No, we believe in the separation of classes. No, we believe in the separation of people. No, we believe in the separation of, oh, I'm going to say it, the separation of race. It's a natural thing. We were separated before. We didn't grow up in the same areas all right, where people don't come from the same places. We're going to be different. I'm not saying that integration is impossible. It is certainly possible. There are people that have been integrated, but this is not the natural state of things. And it, it, it amazes me that that is a controversial thing to say that Africans come from Africa and Europeans come from Europe. How is that? How is that a controversial thing to say? How is it? Why is it controversial to be pro-white in, in a in a society that targets white people? Uh, it, it it agitates me. Like these things are not bad things. It is a um, it is this guilt that the left does so well to people um, that we have to erase that. And that guilt comes from our, in us, it's our problem because we have an inbuilt, um, trained uh, notion that there should be equality of some way, of some, of some metric. It's okay to be different. It, it, the right actually loves diversity. It's not diversity that the, want, the left wants. They want total uniculture, uh, like uh, a monogamation of, of uniculture. They want monogamation. They want everybody to be this 56% Amerimut meme, and they want the, everybody to be integrated completely. That's not what the right wants. We don't want that. Stop, stop trying to, to make these things compatible. The left doesn't just not like you. They aren't just uh, weak. They aren't... Um, uh, they, they, they aren't crazy. They, they hate you. They, they dislike what you represent. You are not going to find middle ground with them. The only middle ground that you're going to find is the ground that they're going to leave as soon as you get there so they can continue to walk left. Stop capitulating. We are so far on the left right now, we need to run the other direction. And if you're not willing to run the other direction, you're a leftist. I'm sorry. Like, if this is near or, or, or uh, if this is near, the current state of the world is near perfect to you, then you are a leftist. The world is leftist right now. Uh, to a right winger, you go outside or you watch a political event, and your skin starts hurting. Like, I, I don't want to be here. This is insane. I live in I live literally in hell right now. Like it, it is a 
awful place where the world is. That that's what it means to be on the right. Um, the, the the complete destruction of hierarchies is almost complete. Um, so it, if we don't wake up and we start don't start <coughs> ridding ourselves of these people, we don't start um, eliminating them from our groups. We don't start fighting real fighting, fighting back and 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 not just trying to find compromise. We're gonna lose. Um, and I don't have anywhere else to run to. I don't know about you, Caleb, but I, like this is where I die. Like I'm not going to another country. I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to live in the middle of nowhere in the desert. I will die here. This is where I, this is where I belong, and I'm not going to give it up. Absolutely, hundred percent. I, I feel like the right songs would be uh, "I'm a Good Webble" by uh, what's his name? Hell yeah, Hoy yeah, it's a fucking great song. It is. I got I got in trouble. I got I played that at work. I got in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say that's part of my culture? No, no, because it wasn't in trouble. My coworker like, but my dad is the owner, so he didn't. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I got I got lucky. Nepotism is good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand by that one. <laughs> hey, nepotism is a natural hierarchy. Absolutely. Uh, okay, next question then. What are uh, some books you could recommend to people that are not Typical libertarian books. No Waspard, no Hopper. What are some more out-of-our-circle books you could recommend to people? So, um, a Juvenile, uh, definitely on power. Definitely read that. Uh, Leviathan and its Enemies. Um, that's another recommended book for me. Um, I'm trying to think. What else? Um, I personally would recommend some books like uh, the... the um, if, you, if you're a Southerner, right? There are some books that I would recommend uh, for you to read. Visions of Order is a good book. Um, Southern Honor is a good book. Um, trying to think. Uh, the Yankee Problem. Uh, that's another great book um, that I would recommend that people read. Um, Camp of the Saints. That's another great book. If you haven't read that, a little hard to get a copy of that, but great book nonetheless. It, if you're not red-pilled on immigration, read Camp of the Saints. Um, what else? I'm trying to think of something good here that's out totally outside of our circles. Um you could you could read Suicide of the West. That's another great book by Burnham. It's uh, my favorite book. Yeah, that's a great book. Um, uh, what else? I'm trying to think. I mean, it, the thing that everybody always says is the Machiavellian Machiavellians by Burnham, but um, I actually thought Suicide of the West was better than Machiavellians. But I, I did too. Yeah. Personally, I agree. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, if. I, I think if you're looking for a concise Burnham, you, you need to go with Suicide of the West. It gives you a much better perspective. Um, I, I would also say read everything by Sam Francis. He's really, really good. Um, mm -hmm. Really, really a brilliant author. He passed away long before his time. Um, who else? Read John, read John C. Calhoun. Um, mm -hmm. If you're interested in, in economics from a conservative perspective and Southern history, read John C. Calhoun. Wasn't Francis? I know he was cancelled by the right. Was it uh, who was it? Was it was it the the Nesta Susan of the Tsars or was it somebody else? 
Who? Did, uh, Sam DeFrancis. Was any, I, I know he was kind of like pushed down and canceled by like right-wing people. Was it uh, Danessa Souza that led the charge? I'm thinking of somebody else on the right who was canceled by, by uh, Danessa Souza. I, I don't, I you know, I don't know. I, I hadn't heard of Dinesh D'Souza until Twitter, so I don't think that's it. Maybe I'm wrong though. I, 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 I gonna, I'm gonna look up after this because it's bugging me. I remember there was this one particular like conservative still around today who like led the charge and like canceling and saying we don't agree with Samuel Francis and like got him like canceled by Conservative Inc. And I remember, uh, like, I was, um, that's gonna bug me. Yeah, it could have been Bill Crystal for all I know. It might, it might have been Crystal. It's, uh, I might have to look it up now. Um, I, that that is one person I truly despise. Same, it's Bill Crystal. Yeah. Um. Well, this has been a, a really fun interview. I've, I've absolutely enjoyed it. Probably the most fun I've had in a, in a, in a while on the podcast. Good. Um, I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, I need to have you back on. I need to have you more often. Eight months is too long a gap to not talk to you. You know, have you back, sure, you back yeah. on? Just um, send me an invite. Absolutely. Uh, what, what can they find you? What are your plugs? Yeah, yeah. So um, you can find me on Twitter at End Democracy. Um, you can also find me uh, or you can find our website at hoppian.org. I'm the founder of hoppian.org. Um, you can definitely check out. We just we we post great tweets all the time. That thanks to my social media director. Uh, I don't think she would care if I mentioned her. It's uh, at Kinsey Tough on twitter she runs our twitter account along with me um she produced that excellent tolkien video based off of one of my ideas so good um yeah it, it really was and it did fantastic and uh there, she does all of the graphics for us she's just fantastic and really couldn't have grown the twitter account without her so big shout out to her and uh you can also find us on instagram uh the underscore hoppy and i think on instagram we're on all of them. Uh, m- m- most of the social media that we're on, though, is Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So that's mostly where you can find us. The other accounts are kind of, it, it's a lot to maintain. So we don't, and there's really not a big audience on the other ones. So we don't really maintain them that much. Um, but Twitter is extremely active. So is Facebook and Instagram. So find us there. Uh, please, we're looking for more submissions. If you're a dissident, right? Uh, author and you agree with uh, if you agree at least partially with Hoppe, you have some interesting perspectives. Uh, if you're a libertarian that has a more right-wing perspective than uh, you previously believe, please send us a message or, or send us your work. Uh, we'd love to read it and maybe publish it. Um, you can also find our style guide at hoppian.org slash style guide. You can reach out to the Twitter account and we'll give you the link and the password to that. And uh, yeah, check out a lot of our articles. We publish some really good stuff. There was a uh, one recent article by uh, Hagfish uh, that did extremely well about multiculturalism, and uh, very nice to to see in his. We mine was ready to publish, and we published his. And I read his, and his thoughts align almost perfectly with mine and the chapter. They like literally could have included his uh, article in the chapter. It was so well written. So. Um, if you guys want a right wing perspective from from a Hopian, uh, check out Hopian.org. Okay, guys. Well, um, you know, like, comment, say, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, I got lots of good stuff coming out this weekend. I got Monarchy and War coming out on um, tomorrow night, and then I have LB Muniz coming on for Been Awake podcast to talk about how most libertarians don't know philosophy. Um, so that's gonna be a lot of fun. So make sure you stick around. Make sure you go follow Jared. Uh, all everything you listed, all the ads except for Max are in the description. So make sure you go follow and subscribe and all that good stuff. Uh, until then, have a good night.
Bye.